glad that you are here this morning. Man, I know you guys have many plans. I know there's a lot of things on your minds today. And I pray that as we've come to this place and to sing these songs of worship, to sing these songs from our heart, that we remember why it is that we celebrate. That we remember why it is that we do Christmas. We've been in this series called Socks and Underwear, and it has really been about, yes, talking about gifts that we think we need, but we, we don't really realize the ones that we need. Things that we want. But really, we've been talking all along about the one true gift, the very first Christmas gift. And it was in John chapter 1 that we spent these last weeks really parking in on, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I want you to know when that phrase is mentioned there, that is a direct reference to Jesus Christ. That is a direct reference to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, a reference to this day that we are about to celebrate. Some of you tonight, some of you tomorrow, both. That's what Christmas is all about. As you give gifts, many of you are going to receive gifts. And when I think about that, I got to ask the question, what really makes a great Christmas gift? What really makes a great Christmas gift? I think there are a few things that come to mind. I think first of all, there, there's this that has to have time and thought goes into the gift, right? I mean, think about it. None of us want that gift that's haphazard. None of us want the gift from down at Churchill Market down the street real fast at the last minute. Right? We don't want that gift. The giver doesn't just go do that. And the value of the gift is not in the price that was paid for it. The value actually comes from the time and the thought that goes into the gift. I can know if someone has put time or thought into that gift as I'm given that. There's also, we can tell if a gift is great by, does it strike a personal chord with you? Does it really resonate with you? Does it, does it connect? Does, it, does, does the gift fit who you are? And by that, what I mean is, does the giver understand who you are? Does the giver understand your likes and your dislikes? Now, we, we understand that there are those moments where we get that gift from someone that, you know, we kind of have to fake it a little bit. I mean, for instance, there's probably someone in this crowd this morning that has, you know, been a UK fan and had someone give you a UFL something. And it's that moment where you go, thank you. Thank you very much. And then you re-gift it. No, I'm just kidding. No, but we've all had those moments, right, where we, where we kind of, man, it doesn't fit me. But no, what I'm talking about is a gift that does fit you, a gift that's very fulfilling to you. It's a per, it strikes a personal chord. Another characteristic of an awesome gift, the gift enhances the relationship between the giver and the one who receives it. It enhances the relationship between the giver and the recipient, the one who receives it. Now, maybe it's because it's got deeper meaning. Maybe it's because there is a story behind the gift. Perhaps it's because the gift is even handmade or there has been special uh, you know, circumstances to the point of getting that gift. It's heartfelt. It's a special gift. And because of that special gift, that connection, whatever that story might be, whatever it is, it deepens the connection between the giver and the recipient. There's also other characteristics. One other is 
It's a gift that requires great sacrifice. A gift that requires great sacrifice makes it great. Now, I know as soon as I say that word sacrifice, you start to kind of jump ahead and you think, well, that must mean it's expensive. That must mean I had to go spend some serious dough on this gift. No, not necessarily. The best gifts are those which the giver is sacrificing. And it may not be monetarily. It might just be time. It might be effort. But there's, there's something behind it. And there's another quality that I think is important to kind of throw here in. And it's the name of the gift is powerful. Now, I know that seems silly. You know, we can see why some gifts never would make it on the all-powerful list because of their names. But then there's some that you look at and you realize, man, I understand how they made it. For me growing up, G.I. Joe was a big deal. I mean, imagine if it had been called something else, G.I. fill in the blank, or it wouldn't have been the same. G.I. Joe rocks. What about like Hot Wheels? Hot Wheels. Imagine if they'd have been called little cars. <laughs> it just wouldn't have been the same. Names are important. Now, I want to take you on a quick journey. Speaking of best gifts, see if you remember some of these top gifts from past years. For a few young people, if they're in the room, they may not be in the room, actually. They're probably downstairs. 2014, some of your parents remember buying it. Elsa doll from Frozen. Number one gift, 2014. What about 2009? Zuzu pets. Do you have any of those in your house? 2005, let's go back a little farther. Xbox 360. It's come a little ways already. What about 1995? PlayStation 1. PlayStation 1. That thing was awesome. 1986. Creepy. Teddy Rock's been talking teddy bear. This thing still scares me. Like putting the image into, into the slides, I was, it was messing with me. I thought it was going to talk to me through the screen. 1983, Cabbage Patch Kids. I remember people fighting over these things when I was younger. Now let's really go back. 1973, the electric football game. <laughs> Number one toy in 1973. Now I know some of you younger folks are going, what in the world is that? You got to go Google after this. Don't do it now. Don't do it now. Turn off the Wi-Fi. I'm just kidding. No, but seriously, you got to go see about these electric football games. But it was a big deal, man. Like, you'd put these players and turn the thing on. and I, I did never get into it. I, I tried. I remember playing with one. I tried, but check it out. But 1970, the round original Nerf ball. A lot of happy moments in my house, even at my age after 1970, that I played with this dude in my house. In 1965, Rock'em Sock'em robots <laughs> so the test of time man they still sell those 1963 the easy bake oven <laughs> easy bake oven where men learn to cook no I'm just kidding <laughs> but in 1952 number one toy and it stood the test of time 
Mr. Potato Head. And look how it looked back in the day. That's the 1952 edition there. You supplied the potato. They supplied the parts. Now here's the thing. We could have fun with this all day. But here's what's crazy about taking a moment just to mere mention these favorite toys of all time. The mere mention of these toys, they give us a different variety of emotions. Some where we reminisce, some where we, oh my, <laughs> some where we wish we had that again, or we wish we you know, could play with that again the way we did when we were younger. But here's what's strange. All of these gifts I've mentioned, the majority of them, unless it is recent, a remake or whatever, you don't play with them anymore. They're probably in a box somewhere or gone. And yet those things I shared, they fit the criteria of being an awesome gift from the things that I just shared a while ago. And so here's the question. Is there a gift that meets the criteria that has still stood the test of time and has never become outdated or obsolete? We have to go all the way back to the very first Christmas. I want us to go to Luke chapter 2. And I don't normally do this, but I'm going to ask us to stand as we lead, read Luke chapter 2 today together. We're going to just begin in verse 4. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You may be seated. Let's see how Jesus stacks up to the great gift criteria. Time and thought went into the gift. Time and thought went into the gift. The idea to have Jesus come to earth was in the planning stages many, 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 many beyond years ago before the very foundation of the world was laid. Before creation, God had thought long and hard about that we would need a savior. One who could and by his sinlessness take our sins upon himself. Jesus was not a last minute gift. You were thought about before the creation of the world. When we go all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, we have a prediction of the divine coming of the earth uh, to earth on a salvation mission. In the Old Testament, nearly 300 messianic prophecies concerning Christ, written hundreds of years before Jesus even came. 
And we saw this last week, but I'll look at it again over the New Testament after Christ came. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, it says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So to say that time and thought were put in this gift would be an understatement. And it was a gift that was given personally for you. It was a gift that had you personally in mind. And so as you open presents tonight and tomorrow, please remember that that's why this, the text tells us God with us. God with us. God with you. It was the greatest gift that could be given, and a lot of time and thought went into it. It wasn't haphazard, and it's the reason you have life and you have hope today. Jesus also, a good gift, it strikes a personal chord. Jesus strikes that personal chord. I mean, that's the question. Can Jesus do that? Can he meet our needs today? i got to be honest. I think there's a lot of people... And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're listening online, watching online. Maybe you've even been coming to church a long time, and you begin to even doubt, is God alive and well? Can he meet your needs? I have people all the time talk about their relationship with Jesus and what it means to them. And I hope in your life you are someone that can do that, that does do that, but what I love is when people are saying those things, it's not about a religion. It's not about a church. It's about a relationship. And what that tells me, and it, it's the same in my life, is that Christ strikes a personal chord in our lives. It's not about a church. It's not about checking a box. It's not about going and, ooh, look, I was there. He strikes such a personal chord in your life. There's such a relationship that you don't want to miss it. That's why Jesus became flesh, and that's why Jesus dwelt among us. That's why in Isaiah, 700 years before Christ's birth, he was described as Emmanuel, God with us. Of all the gifts that God could have given us, nothing compares to him meeting our personal needs. Nothing. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace do you know that when you read that verse and you look at each part of that did you know that every one of those descriptive words or phrases matches every need that we have it matches every need. We, we, have a, we, we have a need for a mighty God. We have a need for a wonderful counselor who will comfort us. We have a need of an everlasting father who will take us into his family. And when we take the last breath on this earth, that we will be in eternity with him forever. We need someone who will bring peace out of the chaos and confusion that we experience in our lives. And he meets every one of our needs. No wonder he strikes a personal chord. And my prayer for you is if that personal chord is diminished, it seems, in your life, God hasn't moved. Have you? Another gift 
aspect or characteristic of a gift is the gift enhances the relationship. Remember when I said that you have this giver and this recipient and it enhances that relationship? Well, the gift of Christ was just that. You see, it was a form of him working on that relationship. You see, it was God leaving heaven to come down to walk beside us to show us God in the flesh. And more than that, so that we could work on that relationship as well. You know, when you go back to the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, we read about God and Adam and they walk together in the Garden of Eden. What I love is that it goes, when you see Jesus, it goes beyond even that because Jesus came, he walked the earth with us and when he departed for those who would put their trust and belief in him, he promised his spirit would live inside of us. So if you know Christ today, you have his spirit living inside of you. And that's worth everything. There's another characteristic, and it's the gift requires a sacrifice. You know, when the Son of God came on that first Christmas, he made some real sacrifices. Just think about it. All of a sudden, the infinite now became confined to space in a sense. All of a sudden, the eternal was now confined by time. The omnipotent took on weakness. That who had been in charge of the universe now became submissive to earthly parents, to authorities of this world. You talk about sacrifice. He owned everything, yet he became poor. So poor that he had no place to lay his head. He had to depend on the generosities of others as he became older, as he traveled and spread the good news and preached. And here, this king of kings spent his first hours not lavished on a super pillow-top mattress, but on a hay in a feeding trough. So did Jesus sacrifice when he gave you that first gift? Oh, I would say so. We're reminded in 1 John chapter 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That was sacrifice. And he did it for you and for me so that we could have the things we have, that we could sit down and open gifts like tonight and tomorrow, that we could even have the homes over our heads, the cars to drive, the jobs, the school, whatever it is. More than all that, hope and forgiveness. There's one other attribute, and it was the name of the gift is powerful. Now, I don't know, you've probably seen this or heard about this, but young couples, when they're expecting a child, they will agonize for weeks and months about what to name their baby. And what do we know? I mean, names are important, right? 
I mean, so much so that, you know, they will agonize and, and, and play out every name to make sure that it fits, to make sure that it sounds good, that it rolls off the tongue properly. Now, obviously, there have been some parents that didn't give a lot of thought to the name. All it takes is a little quick Google search, and you will see some that did not give much thought to his or her life with that name. Just for fun, a few of them. There's a girl named Crystal Chandelier. Crystal Chandelier. There's another young man by the name of Justin Case. There's another lady by the name of Crystal Clear Waters. It has a ring to it. There's another lady by the name of Daisy Chain. That wasn't funny, I know. There's another name by the name of Penny Wise. Ooh. This one I like, Owen Money. Real name. What do you do if you have those names? So here's the point. I mean, naming a child is extremely important. And here's the thing for Joseph and Mary, when you think about it, the good news is, is here you are about to name the Son of God, but in reality, they didn't have to. Because God took that monkey, if you will, off their back. God picked out the baby's name. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give, you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus means. He will save people from their sins. And when I think about that, what a powerful name. What an incredible name. What an appropriate name. What a significant meaning. Why is that? Do you realize the name Jesus? Even his name forces you to make a decision. Even his name forces you to make a decision about who he is because you can either reject him, you can accept him, but you cannot ignore him. I'm glad to be part of a living faith and a holy God, a living Christ in which the leader, in a sense, cannot be suppressed. Words cannot steal him. Nothing can diminish him, and his promises never fade. That is why Jesus is the best gift ever and forever. And it's in this season of giving we're reminded of the very opening words of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. And when I think about that, God gave us a gift that not only meets all the qualities of a great gift that we talked about today, but it has a unique quality that sets it apart from any other gift. It never grows old. As we sit here, and some of us, as we've looked in the mirror many times over the years, We've seen us change. We've seen things change. We saw toys change today. But he never gets old. It lasts for all eternity. 
He'll never become obsolete. And he'll never be outdated. And what would be greater than a baby? A baby that would grow up. Jesus didn't come to stay in a manger. He came to die on a cross. He came to die on a cross after living a perfect life. And that is why we don't wear mangers around our neck. We wear crosses. And God knew that. God knew the full story. And God knew that unless that baby grew up and experienced life, experienced living that perfect life, that you and I could never have hope of eternal life. And you see, the gift of the Christ child is for everyone. No matter what your past has been, no matter what your story looks like today, It's for everyone, and his gift of salvation is for those who have received the gift by believing in him and responding to his invitation. Because here's the point. There's not much point in welcoming his arrival if we don't accept his salvation. I don't know if you know this story, but there's a gentleman by the name of Phillips Brooks. And Phillips Brooks was one of the greatest American preachers in the 19th century. And obviously, he, his backstory is he graduated from Harvard. He became a pastor in Philadelphia, of all places. And he served during the tenure of the Civil War. And so as he pastored in Philadelphia during that time, it was a very hard time. But he became very well known and to the point that he actually preached at Lincoln's funeral. Now because this time took such a toll on him, he had to eventually take a sabbatical. And a sabbatical obviously is where you take time away to kind of just find yourself, find God. And so he took his sabbatical at the Holy Land. And he was actually in Jerusalem on Christmas Eve. And yet, there was so much hustle and bustle. There were so many what we would call spiritual pilgrims there to go and experience Jerusalem at this time of year. It was so busy. And he thought, man, how can I get solitude? How can I really reconnect with God? So he borrowed a friend's horse. And he got on a horse and he took it to ride a few tiny, uh, to this tiny remote village uh, not very many miles away. And it's a town that we know called Bethlehem. And while he was there by himself on Christmas Eve night, a sense of awe overtook him immediately. As he was there on the horse, he saw shepherds on the hillside. And it was very near to the place where shepherds centuries before had heard angels tell of Jesus' birth. And as he looked at Bethlehem, he could see the flickering lights of the town. And finally, something just really stirred within him. And it never left him. He actually spent the next three years kind of just ministering and that never left his mind 
It was at the three-year mark as Christmas approached that he jotted down his impressions of that experience in Bethlehem. And so he went to the church organist and he said, do you think we can put some music to this? And it was on that Christmas weekend in 1868 that he sang O Little Town of Bethlehem for the very first time. It's a powerful story, and if you've ever read the lyrics to it, there's one particular lyric that really stands out, and it says, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. That's the invitation of Christmas. That's the picture of Christmas. It is to make room in your heart for Jesus Christ. Again, what good is the gift if we don't accept the gift of salvation? What good is it if Jesus Christ is born in Bethlehem, but he's not born in your heart? Today, you can make that decision. This can be the most incredible experience you Christmas you've ever experienced. For believers in this room, no matter what you're facing, there's another line in that song that says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Jesus came to, to help you face any fear. He came to be with you and to walk with you no matter what you're facing. And he is our hope. He is our light. He is our God. What will your Christmas look like with him? Will he be with you? Will it be evident in your heart and in your life? I'm going to ask us to bow our heads. Just for a moment here. We're out early. Don't worry. Some of you in this place, God is calling you to respond to him. Maybe you're here by, by some invitation. Maybe your church didn't have church today. Maybe you're just looking for somewhere to go. And Man, I need to go worship today on Christmas Eve. We're glad you're here. And the question is, is God asking you to respond to him? you've never accepted Christ, the best gift ever, Jesus Christ, the one who came. He came that he would eventually go to the cross for your sin and die. And he came that you would give your life to him. He came to save you and he's longing to enter your heart and your life. So I encourage you to be born this day, be forgiven, be changed. I'm going to be down front. I would love to talk with you about that. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, I'll be available after the service. There are other guys and gals in here that would love to talk with you, whatever. There's nothing more important than your relationship with this Christ child. There's nothing more important than the resurrected Jesus living in your life. Be born again today.
Maybe there are others of you that are believers in this place, and I would just simply say to you, will you reflect on the time and thought that went into the gift for you? Will you take a moment and, and see, is God really plucking that personal cord in your life, or is it gone stale? Has it gone a little out of pitch? Do you realize how God has and is enhancing his relationship with you every day if you will come to him? Do you acknowledge the sacrifice that was required for you? And are you living in the powerful name of Jesus? At your seat, this altar is always open as we sing. You come and respond to him, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Let's worship him today. For he's worthy of it. We'll have prayer counselors here if you need someone to pray with. I just pray you respond today all over this place from our heart. Father God, I thank you for your word. May you bless this time of response. May you be honored this Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with our allegiance, with our thoughts, with our hearts. For you are the giver of the greatest gift. You are the greatest gift. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand as we sing. You come.